Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Welcome to Tree Town. Uh, I'm your guest host, chairman, and co-owner, Bilal Saeed. Um, we've had a few big announcements recently, and uh, the biggest of which was Monday when we announced our uh, move for the men's team to the USL2. Pretty excited about that, but along with that, uh, those announcements, we've also had a couple more um, with Eric uh, Rudland uh, renewing his contract and Boise Kamalo being introduced as the head coach of the women's side. And these are my two guests today. So we got a little special edition. Three of us are hanging out. Guys, thanks for making time for this today. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, man. So jumping right in, I mean, with the big news on Monday, I think um, there's been a lot of buzz, and I think a lot of our fans want to hear from all of us some of our input um, around the move to the USL. Um, so, Eric, you know, uh, start with you and give us some of your input on uh, what you're looking forward to with this move and, you know, what, what some of the feedback has been so far. All over overwhelmingly positive. You know, I thought the event on Monday was really cool. Uh, just to see the support from the community was, was awesome. You know, soccer people are excited about it. I think a lot of our sponsors and, you know, kind of benchmark uh, relationships in the community are, you know, really eager to, to, make, to make the move with us. Um, which is always cool to have that support, and so for, from uh, I guess buzz after the announcement, it's been it's been really neat. You know, primarily in the soccer community for me in terms of feedback, but a lot of college coaches, uh, former players, um, our staff obviously. You know, and I think just soccer people in Michigan in general have been you know really excited, and uh, you know, college coaches ho hopefully will uh, you know be even more excited about sending us their players for this next season. You know, some of our returning guys, I think, you know, gives them maybe uh, a new challenge coming back to the club this next year to compete in the in the USL, two compared to the MPSL. And I think it's a welcome challenge for our staff as well, you know, to, you know, have to compete against new rivalries and, and build a roster with some different, you know, challenges uh, in, the, in the new league. So I think all overwhelmingly positive and, you know, we're pumped about it. Yeah, I think a lot of the questions I've been receiving have been around, you know, what is it? due to the schedule, the time frame, and, um, you know, there's not a lot of change there. You know, we've got pretty much the same timeline uh, for the season and the number of games. Um, seems like a lot of that seems to be on par with what, what we've done in the past. It is. You know, we might start a little bit later. You know, in years past, we've started, like, the first week of April, you know, obviously building off local players and guys who would bring in on trial and the fact that we'd have a U.S. Open Cup to prepare for. This year, our start might be a little bit later in April just because, you know, we're going to be waiting f for primarily most of our roster to be out of their spring semester in college. And, you know, we most likely won't have U.S. Open Cup to prepare for um, in that second week of May. So, you know, I, but aside from that, you know, looking at 14 league matches, uh, playoff schedules, similar to what we've been accustomed to in the MPSL. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the uh, other questions that seems to be pretty common and popular is like, what does this do to you know, the roster in terms of like requirements and uh, recruiting style. Talk us through a little bit of some of that. The restrictions, you know, through USL League 2 are um, eight players over the age of 25 and then 10 international roster spots. So um, the research that I've done and then speaking to other clubs, you know, you have a 26-man roster that's always active. And so within that 26-man roster, the eight over the age of 25 and 10 international players, that's that's uh, that's the implication. However, you can have up to 40 some registered players with the league. You know, if you look back at our previous four seasons in the MPSL, I know there were years where we had 40 plus players registered and suited up, you know, in a match throughout the season. So essentially we can still have 
that player pool, which will probably look pretty similar to what we've had in the past. But in that active 26-man roster, we have to meet the League 2 criteria. And then from that 26-man roster, you pick your you know 18 players for game day roster. Um, and obviously, you know theoretically, on an 18-man roster, you could have 10 internationals and 8 over the age of 25. Um, but it's something that we haven't had to deal with in the past. It's been just open-ended and make our roster as, as we see fit. Uh, so we're going to have to obviously be aware of those rules, regulations, and make sure we're managing it appropriately. Yeah, so, I mean, from your perspective, you one thing we've always loved about you is just your, your strategy and your tactics going into managing the r actual roster itself. So it's something you're actually a little familiar with, right? Because I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, once upon a time you actually got your start in the USL uh, coaching, correct? Yeah. So that was with uh, our potential new uh, in-state rival, which both of you guys actually have ties to. Um, so that's actually kind of something I wanted to talk a little bit about. Boise, maybe we'll start with you because I know one of, uh, one of the most infamous nicknames that you carry is Triple Z. <laughs> comes from none other than Mr. Dan Duggan himself. Uh, <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, your playing days back at the Bucks and what that was like in your time in USL 2. Uh, I mean, I think my playing days at the Bucks was good. Uh, at the time, the Bucks was uh, one of the top teams uh, in the country. Uh, most players wanted to go to the Bucks uh, in the summer, you know, to keep fit and also to, to be around good players and um, good coaches. So uh, it was good. That's where I met Knox. That's where I met uh, Dan Duggan, who calls me Triple Z, and the name stuck with me. So. I think the Barks uh, are a very good team, and there's going to be <laughs> a crazy feeling playing against those guys. Yeah, and so you also have connection, uh, but obviously more on the coaching end. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, playing days, probably before Boise was there, I trained with those guys one summer when Steve Burns was the coach. Oh, no way. Way back when, yeah, late late 90s. I never, based on my spring schedule at, at university, I wouldn't get back until like mid to late June, so – uh, but yeah, that was my first connection to them was was uh, was training. Wow. And then would have been seven, uh, at least seven seasons ago now, uh, the year before I um, took took over at Lansing United, I was an assistant coach with them. And so that was a great experience for me just to see kind of the operational side, the coaching side, how they pick players, how they prepared for matches, um, you know, and a lot of those lessons learned, obviously, have, have, have been implemented, um, you know, throughout my past six years in the MPSL. Yeah, they've got um, quite the name in lower league soccer, right? I mean, the tradition and history that's carried on with the Bucks. It's pretty exciting to be have the opportunity to play against them. But I think we all felt a little bit of a change in the organization last year, obviously, with the move to Flint. It was huge for them. Um, you know, Dan and Gary have both been influential guys to you, and you know, I've had the chance to work with those guys over the last couple of years. But I think the addition of Costa to their group uh, really added a different dynamic. And we saw, we heard in the championship game, they drew over 7,000 people. And um, so I think it's going to be a great opportunity for our two communities to have a pretty, pretty awesome rivalry. And um, you know, obviously do some good work in the community together. But um, yeah. We'll Tell us what you what you expect from uh, from the division as a whole this year, not just the Bucks, but um, in terms of competition, just how how challenging it's really going to be for us. Yeah, I mean the challenge is real. I mean you look at the division historically. Um, you know this conference has produced a lot of teams who have gone on to be successful at the national level. I mean obviously the Bucks um, leading that pack, but you know FC United out of Chicago's super reputable side. Um, Dayton has produced 
top teams the past three seasons. You know, you've got Cincinnati, West Virginia, possibly one or two new clubs still to be announced coming into our division as well. So, um, you know, and then when you get out of our region, you have you got to go to Des Moines or, you know, that Central Conference, you know, who they, you know, club like Des Moines has a ton of resources and a great history of success. Triple Z's uh, <laughs> scored a few goals for Des Moines in, the, in his playing days as well. So, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, the, the, the challenge is real for sure. But I, I think you look at the advantage of where we're at, you know, there's only two teams currently in Michigan in the, in the league. So, you know, how can we use that to our advantage to try to capture the best players here? And I've already got messages from a few other clubs in the, in the PDL saying, Hey, or USL league Two, Sorry. Like, I guess we're just going to let you and the bucks duke it out over the guys in Michigan. <laughs> we're going to be hands off from now on. So I think, you know, us coming in changes the landscape and we just have to find a way to obviously leverage that to, to our advantage. Now, um, one of the things that, you know, uh, has been in the news for our club recently, obviously with the longer off season, uh, there's not a ton of news during this period, but um, before both of you guys were announced, um, and, and the move to USL too, we actually got some great news from um, uh, also USL, um, but the championship with uh, Stanley's, the largest transfer in USL history happening with former player of ours, uh, Stanley Okumu. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people, that was a sense of pride to just to see, um, you know, those of us have met him, he's just a great guy right and so right. you want to see a guy like that succeed especially for knowing how how hard he works mm -hmm. day in and day out his dedication um so for our fans like you know is that something that you know i, I i'm asking as a fan i guess here but is that something we can expect is like you know uh, you still working on attracting players like like stanley okumu um from overseas to to afc ann arbor it's the hope. Um, I mean, we had a few guys lined up of his caliber this past season and, you know, visa issues, we weren't able to get those guys in. So I think it's harder maybe from that market now moving forward just because people are turned on to talent there. You know, the, the agency that helped us get him are talking about running a showcase event this year and there's more eyes on that market. Uh, but hopefully we still have some strong connections there that we could potentially pull a player in. Uh, but again, I mean, it's looking at other markets too that we have. Uh, throughout our throughout our network of scouting and, and relationships to see if we could get a player in of his caliber and honestly I think when players from outside of North America look at our market they're thinking USL they're thinking MLS right so for us making the move to USL League 2 I think puts us in even a stronger position to attract you know those types of players um, and then with Stanley's move you know we have a proven track history of helping guys you know, move on to the next level and really using our club as a platform to, to springboard their career. Yeah. As an international player, uh, what did, what was the USL2 experience like for you and what did it mean to your kind of path to MLS? Uh, I mean, I think it was a good uh, move for me because I felt like I'm a type of guy who always starts from the bottom and I always like to work my way up. Uh, like Eric said, most of the guys when they come, I mean, everybody wants to go MLS, play professionally. But I think with us being in the USL too, it's a it's a way to help these guys uh, start from the bottom and work their way up because you got myself and Eric and previous players who uh, we can talk to and ask questions. Hey, how did you get there? What did you have to do to get there? And uh, we also got a good network uh, in a professional game. Amazing. Well, I'm just gonna keep going with you boys just because. <laughs> That was uh, one of the big announcements in the offseason was um, 
you know, you were promoted last year from uh, assistant coach for the men's side to technical director of the club, and again promoted this year uh, to head coach of the women's side. Um, start by sharing a little bit of the story about what what intrigued you to want to take this on. Um, you've obviously had a strong connection to the men's side for for a few years with a huge impact. So what attracted you about this opportunity and, and how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, the opportunity is a good opportunity. Um, I look at myself as a coach. Uh, again, I go back from starting from the bottom, working my way up. Uh, I've learned a lot from Eric. Uh, we worked together at Lansing. We also worked together at Madonna. So, you know, I was always watching, learning, taking notes. So when this opportunity came, I just felt like it's the right moment for, for me to kind of, you know, test my knowledge, uh, see what I can do, and uh, take it from there. One of the things that um, made me excited about this when, you know, we first started talking um, was knowing you personally and the impact you've made on the club uh, – and how important you guys both know this is like the culture of the atmosphere that we build here, not only within the team and the organization, but so that it reaches out to the community. And you're a huge part of that. So right. um, talk a little bit about, you know, what you hope to bring in terms of the culture and atmosphere and environment to the women's side, best practices that you want to now uh, implement on that side. Uh, for me, I think like even the girls that I talk to, I think we want to treat this uh, situation as professional as we can and uh, hope hopefully some of the girls want to go to the next level uh, and I've been doing some research uh, most of the girls they play till college days after that they don't know what to do after that so for me I feel like we have to bring in players that we know they also want to go to the next level um, on a team we got somebody like mommy uh, some of the players uh, look up to her we also have a couple of college girls that are you know good players and uh, those are some of the players who are just looking to stay fit for their college season, which is a good thing. And then you also look at, we had uh, Emily Eisman, who was still in high school. She came in and, you know, she's working with all these good players. And uh, her idea is hopefully to take it to the next level, to want to be like mommy uh, and also bring in uh, a couple of international players. Um, I've talked to a couple of girls. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mention them, but you know, a couple of girls Good from outside. Of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of girls from outside of the country who are interested in joining AFC because uh, I feel like we have to be a competitive team um, with the girls who really want to go to the next level. And some of the girls are on uh, uh, national teams, so yeah. for me, it's like exciting working with those type of players and also not, you know, them coming here, but also for me to learn from them as a coach so being more competitive something you mentioned yes um you know it's hard to say you know we're going to come out and do this and that but right. um what's what's your approach going to be to get from a to z right like you want to become a more competitive side um what are you what are you going to do to get the 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 women's side there well i mean it's going to be a lot of work already right now uh we're already talking to players i talked to pretty much all kinds of players you know my phone is buzzing whatsapp uh, even right now, I just came from watching um, uh, Concordia play Uno. Um, I'm also watching a lot of female games, you know, just to get myself mentally ready, see how they do things. Yeah, I know. We, we had a chance to go see uh, 
uh, Chicago Red Stars play, which right, was right, an right. awesome experience. Yes, it was. And as you can see, the warm-up, everything they do, the coach, how he talks to the players, it's a little bit different from the men's side. Uh, but then again, the way I look at it is <laughs> players are players. Whether it's a boy or girl, you still got to treat them like players. So uh, I think what we need to do is, you know, we talked about having training sessions with these girls three times a day, uh, a week. Uh, if we have players that are players are chasing it to go to the professional game, then we might be training five times a week, you know, and I don't mind sticking around practice as Eric knows with the guys too. I do the same thing because uh, my job is to try to get these players better, not just for me, but for themselves, for their school, for the next level, you know, so when they leave here, they know, hey, I got a good experience from, uh, you know, AFC and Alba. They treated me like a family. They also paid attention on what I do, what I eat, exercise, all those things. So um, some of the things that you mentioned, uh, you know, in terms of attracting the right type of people and, and helping them develop as, as people, right? It's, right. It's, it's your job. But also, you know, in your role as sporting director, you oversee the women's side, you oversee all the, the sporting aspects of the club. Um, and knowing that you've worked with Boise for so long, what are some of the things that you're, you're hoping to see that from best practices and, and also specifically the culture, cultural side of things, um, what do you think you know, and hope that he's going to kind of bring to the table for the women's side here this year? You know, you look at the blueprint on the men's side, it's, it's something that you know, is evolving. It's not like, hey, this is exactly what worked last year. It's going to work again, right? You know, we're always trying to fine-tune, and, you know, uh, uh, we bring in a new coach, maybe has different ideas, you know, different types of players require maybe different uh, attention, you know. So I think we have we have a framework that we've created, you know, in terms of how we go about our business. The day-to-day -day and kind of the details are going to change from season to season. So, you know, I guess my hope, which is what Boise and I have spoken about, is, Obviously, taking that that framework, applying it to the women's side, knowing that, hey, I mean, Boise has a different perspective. He's a different coach. He's a different leader than I am, right? So he's going to have his spin on it. You know, who he shapes out as his assistant coaches are going are, are going to have their own personalities too, right? And then you have, you know, the 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 players are different. The competition's different. So, I mean, we know that it's not going to be exactly the same as what I'm getting at. Uh, and so, you know, I'm excited to see Boise put his stamp on it along with the coaches that he brings in. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be a fun project. Speaking of fun project, uh, <laughs> one the men's side losing uh, the derby with Detroit City, but uh, with the recent announcement, got the addition of the, the women's team um, that they'll be adding. That puts a decent amount of teams uh, from the UWS in our state. Um, so does that – create like I mean even bigger challenges for you in terms of recruiting or you know you had mentioned talking about bringing maybe in a couple internationals what's your approach going to be there yeah I, I, I mean I think it's uh it's a great thing not only for us but for the state of Michigan as you can see uh the league is getting competitive and uh, when I first saw the news <laughs> the first thing was hey we have to be aggressive you know we have to be aggressive with the players that we bring in because it's going to be very competitive as you know, the rivalry with uh, DCFC and us. So it's something that I'm looking forward to. It's something that some of the girls I've talked to are looking forward to too because they've seen it on the men's side, the, the crowd at DCFC, the excitement. They want to be a part of it. So I think it's a good thing, not only for us as a club, but for the state of Michigan. So 
that's something you just a little talk touched on briefly there is like you know you and i worked pretty closely with the women's side last year as well built some awesome relationships right. um and i know like the fans and the hooligans specifically um definitely fell in love with some of the players there so you've been in touch with some of the players from last year and ha plan have plans to engage some of them as well right. talk to talk to me a little bit about um you know what you've seen from those players so far and their commitment to the community just after one short season and it's been impressive yeah no i mean the the commitment from the players was great uh you know they've attended the community service that we are provide you know through different schools in anaba and ypsilanti so that's another thing that I do with my side time to try to help our foundation be known in a community. Uh, it's a positive thing, not again, not only for those players, but for us as a club. And it's also teaching these players that, hey, you also got to work with people. Whatever job you're going to get in the future, <laughs> you're going to work with people. So I think what we're doing with our club, it's a good thing for the community couple of fun facts. So from last year, you mentioned Emily Eitzman. So Emily and Seba, both, right, for the men's and women's side, respectively, youngest goal scorers in club history we both had last year. Um, Seba, I think, was 18 in some months or yeah. 19 in some months. And um, Emily, 17, right. just turned 17 before she began her season with us. Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, but um, Emily just became the first youth board member for the Mighty Oak Youth Project. Wow, um, that's so awesome. She's taken her level of commitment of giving back to the community to a whole nother level. Um, obviously, with the Mighty Oak Youth Project growing this year, uh, we've always done the youth soccer scholarships, but we added the women's coaching scholarships, right. which Mommy was a recipient of pretty cool, and she just got her C license. So um, it's cool to see that all coming together and how, like, for me, it's super important that both of the sides are, like, um, you know, on the same spectrum and radar in terms of visibility, awareness, community impact. And for me, like knowing how you two work together, that's one of the biggest like uh, bonuses for me is like, you know, one, one thing I'm really excited about is having our both our men's and women's team work together in terms of the community projects and things like that that we have going on. Right. Um, so I know um, we talked a little bit about our trip to Chicago, but Tell, tell us a little bit about your uh, recent trip to D.C., back to your old stopping grounds. I <laughs> know uh, the trip to D.C. was a, was a good trip. Uh, I usually go to D.C. because of my wrist. I broke my wrist a couple of years back. And uh, so this time when I went, I decided to stop by D.C. United. Um, I watched a couple of sessions, and uh, I also watched the game uh, on Sunday. So it was a good trip. Uh, when I was there, some of the things they were doing now, <laughs> we didn't do those things back in the day. So also, you know, talking to the head coach, Ben Olsen, who is a good friend of mine. You used uh, to play with him, right? Yes, I used to play with him. And, uh, you know, uh, right after a training session, me and him grabbed lunch. Uh, we talked, uh, you know, I just shared my knowledge with him. And he also shared his knowledge with me about the game and how far he has become to, to be a head coach of a big club like DC United. And also, while I was there, <laughs> he introduced me to Wayne Rooney. Uh, you know, I was, was going to bring it up if you didn't. I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I mean, it, w it was a cool thing because I was there uh, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday. So, like, for Friday and Saturday, I was chilling with these guys, like, yeah. in the locker room, just talking. Uh, it was good, man. It was good. Great experience, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want to say that, it was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Well, getting getting lunch with the head coach of a MLS side um, and being able to collaborate on ideas sounds like a pretty great experience to me. Yeah, I'll, just I'll put it this way: when I walk when I walk 
through United Soccer Coaches Convention with the two of you. I feel like I'm your personal assistant. <laughs> like, first of all, super celebrity, and nah, then another celebrity. It's nah. like, it's crazy. So don't act like, no, you know, no, it's no, not I'm a not big a celebrity, deal. man. I'm just did, a guy. Did they need a neutral in training is my question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no jumping in? No, no, no. No, uh, no I, I wanted to jump in, but I was like, ah, nah, let me just stay and watch, you know, just because it was good, you know, when you go to these things, it's always about, you know, having an open mind that, like, you get there, you watch what they do. Not to say I'm going to do exactly everything they do. Like, oh, they did this, I got to do that. No, it's just looking at how they do things and how I can bring these things to AFC and ABBA and also share these things with Eric. Like, hey, Eric, this is what I saw. I think this is, what, this is a good thing we can use within our club, not only at AFC, but with the youth teams that we work with. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Um, switching gears a little bit, knowing that we're just c coming up here on the international break. Um, it wasn't too long ago where the international break that Okumu participated in, um, AFCON, and just really had this standout performance that got him to, um, that started really opening the doors. I mean, for me, just looking at that, looking back at that, and, you know, I'm a big, uh, Riyad Mahrez fan, and, like, I'm sitting there watching Stanley, like, shoulder to shoulder with him, and on, on a, in, in a match, it's it was just kind of mind-blowing. But, um, Eric, I'd love to hear from you first. Like, you know, in total, I've counted. Actually, you know, we were we were thinking the number was 16 pros. Yeah. So if you count um, Arturo uh, yeah. and Ainga, I think that would put us at 18 um, through the club history. So um, 18 guys who are currently playing professional soccer somewhere with – Probably what would say is the, the biggest you know move that any a player of our former player of ours has ever made, um, signing with um, IF Ellsberg. What's that been like just to see Stanley um, get his debut there? Yeah, I mean it was it was one of those things kind of being kept up on the situation of you know of when the initial interest came and you know how the deal ended up finally coming through between Real Salt Lake and and Ellsberg. I mean. It was a long process. I mean, there was times where it didn't sound like the deal was going to go through. Um, and I give I give Stanley a lot of credit, you know, through that process. Like, you know, he knew what he wanted for his career. His his agent and agency were kind of behind him. Um, you know, and he, he was adamant, like, hey, like, this is this is the move I need to make. This is where I need to be at in my career. And he kind of stuck, stuck, stuck to his guns until he was able to sort things out um with Ellsberg and I think it's a fantastic move for him I mean he's in uh he's in Europe first division he's gonna play he's gonna have plenty of opportunities to show what he could do already you know? making an impact yeah so then he gets there you know and it's like you're like we're talking it took a month you know for this thing to to finally happen he gets there and then he's delayed he can't play because they're waiting for his work permit to finally be finalized he's got to work his way into the team he's got to win a spot you know so it's like one challenge after the other, and as we know, after working with him, it doesn't even phase him, right? So I talked to him like a week before he got his debut, and, you know, hey, how's things going? You think you're going to break through soon? He's like, coach, I'm just chipping away. I'm just going to wait for my opportunity. And I said, well, as soon as you get it, you're going to do well, you know? And, of course, it was that weekend he got his debut, and, I mean, it was I only got to watch the first half live. I went back and watched the second half later, but – he was fantastic, you know, and again, the past weekend, fantastic again. So he's going to, you know, I think he's going to he's going to have plenty of opportunities to show what he can do. And, and hopefully sometime soon he's going to be making his next move. Yeah. So being in a, a former player in a position like that, um, you know, what do you think about Stanley in terms of his mentality? I know all, the three of us always talk about mentality. 
And I just think it's, you know, he's just one of those guys that, like, that wasn't something that we had to talk to him about, right? It was like, I, just think yeah. back to that first day in training, right? Like some of the some of the comments he made to the other players about yeah. the level that they were bringing to training versus yeah. what he was used to. I mean, what what you know, what's it like to see him as a kind of like an older brother figure? No, I mean it, it, it's good to see him. Uh, one thing I can say about Stanley, he's a very humble guy. Uh, you know, he takes his work very seriously, but uh, also, I mean. The first day he worked at training, everybody knew what this guy is about. This guy is here for business. And for me, it's like that because of the background he comes from. You know, it's not like he comes from a rich family. He's just going to come here and hang out like some guys do. Uh, his thing was like, hey, I got a family. I got to provide for them. So I'm going to do whatever it takes for, for me to get to where I want to get to. So at training i gotta work 100 100 times better than the other guy you know games when i get my opportunity i have to show it and i remember there's a game i think it was in uh, the game he was cramping mm-hmm. what game was it i don't know if it was a regional finals whatever but the guy you could see it in his eyes like yeah. he felt bad because he couldn't do anything because he was cramping but at the yeah. same time he wants to help his team so that's the type of guy he is yeah, speaking of his humility, uh, Saima recently, my wife, Saima, recently celebrated her 30th uh, birthday in it's September. Birthday. And I tried to do a lot to make the month special for her. I mean, we're talking like the month. Smart man, I'm taking I, notes I, over yeah, here. Yeah, I tried, man, I tried. Yeah. And, like, I really feel like the highlight of her birthday month was Stanley sending a message saying, happy happy 30th birthday, Saima. How cool. <laughs> and, like, you know, him taking the time to do things like that. It's yeah. not with just with me or with you guys. You know, he keeps in touch with Tito, with other players, yeah. um, with other staff members. And um, it gets you thinking, like, you know, Stanley's getting a lot of the attention, deservingly. But um, – there's been so many, like, great people that we've met through the club. Like, that's – with all the – you know, Monday was a big big day for the club, right, uh, right. making that announcement and the move. And, again, like, just the last m- six weeks, with, again, with you taking your new role, it just kind of, for me, has made me just pause a little bit, reflect, like, think about really all the things we got to be thankful for that the club has done for us. And what I always get drawn back to is the, the other players, right, the players that – well, maybe this is why Mason and I show up at our game last Thursday, and who were we playing against? Pagani Brothers. <laughs> I was like, "Listen, this here is we not, go. Yeah, what happened here? The Pagani Brothers. Are, I was like, Zach, I thought you moved to DC. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, just all the connections we've made. Like for me, I, I think about even back to year one. Um, you know, like guys who came from Australia, like the Albany guys and Jeff Medina and Luke Palmatier and Martin Gorey and like all the friendships I've made. And um, so I'd love to hear from you guys uh, just a couple of those moments or stories. Um, Eric, maybe if you if you've got one, um, you know, as being such a huge impact on the men's side, what you brought to the table. Is there any story or memory that kind of things that like you s- kind of pops out to you um, over the past few years in, t- in terms of? Yeah, relationship play. with players yeah yeah i mean i guess to to share this one it's uh uh i mean there's the sad side of it but uh, but kind of the cool side as well you know you look back at um mike novotny you know who was our goalkeeper when stanley was with us in in uh 2018 right yep. um and you look back on that season and, you know, Mike's just from outside of Chicago and, you know, his dad driving to every game, you know, just so committed, 
Um, and some trainings. Man. And some training sessions. And you could just see kind of how cool that relationship was uh, with those guys. And, you know, Mike left us a little bit early that season to go play um, in Europe. And he had a great opportunity. And when he came back, you know, we did everything we could to try to help him get to the next level. Um, you know, and in the interim of him coming back and signing his first professional contract, obviously, you know, his dad passed away. Um, and to kind of look back on that season, he was with us and, and know, you know, hey, that was kind of one of those last seasons he had with his dad watching him play. Um, and now to be able to keep up with Mike throughout his first pro season at Hartford, um, to hear from the, the coaches out there and just getting positive feedback day in and day out about, you know, his work ethic, his mentality, he's grinding, you know, and, and on Father's Day this past season, as you guys probably know on social media and whatnot, the entire team for Hartford wore, you know, the, the armband around in, in uh, you know, memory of Mike's dad, which, you know, you look at like he's a rookie on the team. He's probably one of the youngest guys on the team. He hasn't played a ton of minutes in the team, but obviously he's made a presence out there. And, and that legacy, I think, of his father lives on. So, you know, again, it's it's a sad story in terms of, uh, of how that played out. But you look back and like all the cool memories and the connection that, that we still have with Mike and, you know, the legacy now that he's made in his first year as a pro. Um, again, that's like one of the many stories we could share, but that's one that is recent on my mind right now. That's an awesome one. And talk about another guy's mentality. Like I get, you know, I've got on my FOP mob, I've got notifications set up pretty pretty solidly to follow all the guys yeah. and all my favorite teams. Um, and I'm praying every time I see Hartford Athletics starting lineup. Yeah. That, like, you know, I'm going to see Mike's name in there. And so sometimes I send him text messages just like, man, what is going on? And he's always like, nah, man, I'm, I'm putting in my work. Uh, time will come. And, yep. you know, like I think he's got more patience than I do in that situation. But what an impressive guy, man. He's been n another blessing for the club, really, honestly. Yeah. Any story you can think of with the memories yeah. of players? <laughs> I don't have any stories. But, I mean, you know, I know when guys come here for, for the summer, sometimes they need to, you know, hang out and spend time uh, with us as coaches off the field. So I think I've kind of brought that role because I've chilled with guys like Stanley, uh, uh, who's that, a guy from Kenya, I forgot. Chris. Odiambo. Odiambo. And then we had uh, uh, Sergio. So they used to come to my place, and Sergio would cook some Jamaican food and we'll play some reggae. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw that, it, it, because you always see guys on the field, you know, everything is so serious. But, like, once we went to my place, we eating some Jamaican food, we listening to music. I didn't even know Chris liked reggae festival. So I'm like, huh, what's this guy doing? And he knows all the songs. Chris, so it man, was good. Chris is one of those characters yeah. that if you got to know him, it yeah. was, like, the best thing. Yeah, but, like, another incident I remember, I think I told Eric about this because the guys, they were not used to to American food. So oh. I was like, hey, man, what do you guys want to eat? So I took him to <laughs> to the, I think it's I uh, Pancakes place. I hop. Yeah, 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 I yeah. hop. I took him there. Like, they're like, what is this? They didn't even eat it, <laughs> man. So I was like, man, I just wasted 50 bucks on these guys. So uh, all they did was just drink coffee. Uh, the telling yeah. probably, right? <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, you know what? 
I got another spot I'm going to take him to. So I took him to Anaba. It's a Jamaican pit. Yeah. And so the food is kind of like similar to African food. Oh, my God, man. These guys, yeah. man, they calling him for seconds. I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold up, dude. I can't afford this. I remember one day after uh, training, I was taking Ade home in, like, 2017. He's like, yo, can you take me by the Jamaican pit? I'm like, for yeah. what? He's like, I owe my tab from last night. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, man, we got a yeah. house house account? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on there. No, it's good for those guys because the food is different. Like, yeah. if you take him to that spot they can relate to the food you know Th- that's been thing. some of my best experiences like actually when the guys come to stay with Simon and I um, and at the end of 2018 both Chris Odiambo and Frenchie came and stayed with us um, and that that was one of my memories was I came home from work and like uh, the first thing I hear is like Indian music on and I'm like Simon does it really listen to Indian music, yeah. so like, what's happening? Chris is watching a Bollywood movie um, yeah. and cooking dinner for all of us. And, right. and I'm like, what is happening? Like, yeah. I had no clue what was happening. I'm like, Chris, you're into Bollywood movies? He's like, Bilal, I'm into a lot of things. I'm very cultured. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, like, you know, I had almost went through a whole season without, like, getting to hear that sarcasm in his voice and yeah. that that side of it. And, man, I honestly, live, guys living with us has probably been that, – that, that's the other bi- big memory for me was – when I think Dario and Hector stayed with you for a couple nights. Yeah, when they then, first got here, yeah. And then they came over to my place. Um, and that was the first time I really had players stay with me, and I was a little nervous. And so I didn't really know what to do to entertain them. Yeah. And I remember that first night, um, I, uh, my go-to is Cards Against Humanity. Okay. Um, so, you know, I got Google, uh, Google Translate for I was Dario's say, yeah, phone. Did you have them in Spanish? Yeah, so so. <laughs> Dario downloads Google Translate. Hector downloads Google Translate. Um, and there's a few of us just playing Cards Against Humanity. We don't really know each other. But, like, you know, for those who don't know, Cards Against Humanity is a very inappropriate card game. Um, <laughs> and it's a weird way to get to know people. But let's just say this. We all know Dario. You weren't the chairman at that time, yeah, right? No, yeah, 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 yeah. I should be telling manager. this story. Yeah, this is all, yeah, oh, boy. This is going to get me in trouble. But, like, we all know Dario now. But, like, I had no clue at that moment, and I should have known by playing that game with him. Dario won Cards Against yeah, Humanity, yeah. not being able to speak a lick of English. But he's, I mean, that guy's mind, you know. Like, yeah. I knew how he thinks with the cards <laughs> he was playing, and he was winning everyone. He had everybody dying laughing. Pulling the strings. Barely speaking English. It yeah. was just amazing. And, oh, man, I just think back, like, um, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. You know, you guys have been with the club four years. It's pretty crazy. So, looking ahead, uh, but not too far um, like, what are some of the things that you might hope uh, hope to see uh, the club get into, whether it's more things in the community or things that we accomplish or silverware? What are things that you think of when you think of for the future of AFC Ann Arbor? I think for, for me, I mean, I look at the football side of things, right? I mean, I have ideas about the club and growth and things like that, but, you know, I have to, I have to kind of keep focused on the football side. And obviously this transition is huge for us right now. Um, so to get into USL League Two this spring on solid footing, put a put a good team together that's competitive straight away, you know, is the is the immediate action plan. You know, going to a lot of college games this fall and you know trying to make sure that, um, you know, we bring in the right players is first and foremost. And so, you know, once we get into USL, like you know, going down to the league meetings in December, like I'm just excited to grow the network and learn from other people in the league, not just in our league but in League One the championship, um, you know, best practices, things we could do different, things we could do better. And I think for all of us, our entire club, you know, that's going to be a welcome, uh, 
you know, pathway of information that we can continue to, to forge forward with. Um, and so past this next season, you know, just continued growth, right? I mean, how can we continue to impact the community? How can we grow our fan base? How can we continue to help players get to the next level? You know, I don't think there's a, there's an end game when it comes to that. It's just about more and more and more. And how can we continue to grow? Yeah, that's, it's exciting to think about. I mean, it's also like, you know, th that's the things we take a moment to like reflect, appreciate, you know, be thankful for what we've got. But like, I don't think any of us are slowing down or, or thinking about, uh, you know, reflecting for too long because there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of things going on. Um, Boise, one thing I wanted to just uh, ask you real quick. So um, <laughs> I was really impressed this year uh, with how the hooligans um, stepped up for the women's side. I mean, I feel like, you know, it wasn't only equal support. Uh, it it might have been like, oh, my gosh, there's a women's side. They were that excited. Um, you know, I think oftentimes, uh, you know, the hooligans uh, get overlooked because of uh, other supporter groups maybe. But for me, the hooligans, uh, like I said the other day at the press conference, they, be, they become my friends. You know, it's been amazing to see because they care about the club so passionately and so much. Um What's it been like for you to get to know some of them and to know that they're going to be in the stand supporting the women's side next year? Uh, I mean, it's been a good thing uh, because, as you know, they support the team. They're always with us where we go, so it's a good thing. It's still a small group right now, but throughout the future, you can see growing, you know, uh, our fan base I'm talking about. And uh, I remember the game we had uh, on the men's side when we played Rochester in uh, – Eerie. Eerie. <laughs> we only had one supporter there. I mean, he was the loudest guy on the field. So, yeah. like, as you can see, man, it's a beautiful thing. The guy believes in the team. He believes in what we are doing as a club. So I just think uh, the fan base is a good thing to have, and we just need to get out in the community and keep increasing more fans to, to come to the games. Yeah, maybe, you know, uh, small, fine, but I'll take quality over quantity any day because, <laughs> you know, what a lot of people don't know is, like, you know, how much they care about the club. And, um, you know, I know you have a relationship with some of them. You've been pretty close with them. They, <laughs> I mean, that they are behind in Redland, we trust. So what's it been like for you to have that kind of support uh, from, from the Main Street Hooligans? It's been great. You know, like, well, you know, one of them uh, messaged me last week after you guys met and kind of shared the, the move with them. He's like, hey, I'm already putting together reports on – all the players, what what teams, what rosters they're on. He sends me a spreadsheet. You know, I mean, we'll just call him the spreadsheet wizard. Yeah, uh, without, without <laughs> the say wizard. Uh, uh, he got an award. I should look it up. What they? Uh, yeah, it was like the the math award or something like data something. I gotta <laughs> I gotta I gotta look this up here. But that's the thing. They've all. I'll, I'll be upset if I get it wrong. They've all kind of got their like things. They actually a lot of them bring you know something to the table. The golden calculator. The golden calculator. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Man. Yeah, and that's like that's the thing is like you know you got guys like that, but you've got all everybody's chipping in to do different things, whether it's TFO or um, you know organizing people or yeah. you know community service projects. Like one thing that a lot of people don't know is uh, a bunch of the Main Street hooligans were the staff volunteer staff for um, Jim Toy Center's Community Pride Day, right? And that's because cool. of that work that they did, uh, Jim Toy Community Center made a five hundred dollar donation to the Mighty Oak Youth Project. Wow! So all hooligans do you know just taking their time volunteering for yeah. an amazing cause within our community well and like last year right three they sponsored three guys to go to the combine <laughs> pro combine in december which you know that stuff clubs don't just don't do that especially no. supporters groups yeah. so uh yeah i mean their support's just been unbelievable yeah 
Yeah, I was going to say another thing, you know, like the trophy that they give to the players after the game. Yeah. I think it's a cool thing, taking a picture and then posting it up on Instagram. But I would like for them to be in the picture with the players. Oh, that's you know, a little instead of just having a player holding a trophy. A little feedback yeah. for the Main next Street Hooligans. Next season, <laughs> yeah. bring them down Take on the note. field. Yeah. Take a picture with them. Boise Kamalu, you heard it here first. The hooligans need to get in the picture yes, with the ma man or woman of the match picture. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I think it's super important to just keep our fans you know, in the loop with what's going on. We've always prided ourselves on being like very connected to our fans, our community. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of exciting news. So I think maybe, I don't know if we should make this a regular thing, um, but I do, I feel like if we do that, I'm going to get stuck in the middle next time. I feel yeah, like you're really, you, really, middle, you really don't want to be I'm in the middle like right <laughs> now. Yeah. You have to be in the middle. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of welcome to tree town. And we hope to see you guys soon, hopefully next month with another special edition.